next number of Sunday nights, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11. What a magnificent chapter of the Bible. We live in that. Well, we've always needed role models. We've always benefited from being able to look up to a person that serves as an example. You know, in sports, we have the Hall of Fame. And these great athletes are inducted into this Hall of Fame because of their great career in sports. I think today, many of the celebrities, many of the people who are put on a pedestal in our culture, I would actually refer to it more to a Hall of Shame. Um, It really breaks my heart. It makes me think of that uh, passage in Scripture in Philippians 3, um, 19. At the end of verse 18, Paul talks about with tears. He's prayed because many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And and Philippians 3, 19 has an amazing description of those who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Here's what he says. Their destiny is... Is their destruction, their stomach. Cindy, help me. Their God is their stomach. She's, yeah, we've talked about this. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. What a description. Their destiny, where they're headed, is it's destruction. Their God is their stomach, you know. What's the latest thing that I can enjoy, you know? And that their glory is in their shame. Does anybody blush anymore? But in Hebrews chapter 11, there is a hall of faith. There are great examples from the scriptures, wonderful biographies of people of faith. Um, Tonight... uh, Entitled this, The Beat of a Different Drum. We're going to look at the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 11. We're not actually going to get into any of the biographies. But we want to look at faith. The definition of faith. So I encourage you to stand in God's honor with me. As I read aloud from the word. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this chapter that gives us a beautiful demonstration of faith. Speak to our hearts, Father, in the time we have tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to say, by the way, uh, the demonstration of faith is not just from the people that we meet in the Bible. Demonstration of faith occurs from the people we meet, all the places we go. If someone knows Jesus, they're family. They're kin. Kin through the Spirit of God who has grafted us into his family by the power of Jesus Christ. That, that's, you know, that's what occurs. Uh, I grumbled this afternoon. Daniel just had to go get a haircut. And I thought, Daniel, Sunday afternoons, go get a haircut. Okay. So we went to get a haircut, and I got a haircut too. Yeah, 
They weren't busy. It was good. Got in there, met this young lady. Her name was Sabrina, spelled with a U, Sabrina. And I said, I like your hours on Sunday. It's like one to six. She said, yeah, we can go to church. I said, well, you're a Christian. Do you go to church? She said, oh, yes, yes. I said, where do you go? She says, well, I go to this little church out in uh, near Mendota. I said, we don't even have electricity or heat or air conditioning in our church. I said, really? I said, well, what do you do in the winter? She says, we use a wood stove to heat our church. And I said, wow. I said, that's, that's great. I said, do you love the Lord? She said, oh, I love the Lord. She said, and I love my church. I said, why do you love the church? She said, because I love those people. See, I'm, I'm at the, met me with the Hall of Faith. And God wants all of us to be part of that, right? Where we go that we can connect with other believers and also be able to hopefully communicate what we believe through our lives as well as our lips, right? Um, I've always loved biographies. Louis Pasteur, of course, he's famous for coming up with a process to help milk be slow to spoil that we call pasteurization. Yeah. He's also famous for inventing a vaccine for rabies. One of his children's biographies talks about uh, they were holding down a bulldog who had the rabies. And Louis Pasteur is moving in close to get some a sample of saliva from a rabid bulldog. Wow. That's an adventure. <laughs> but through being a, through that, he was able to develop a vaccine for rabies and be able to save a lot of lives. Um, I think of uh, George Washington Carver. And I, I love his story. He loved the Lord. and He went out in the woods one day. He was praying. He said, God... He said, I want to walk with you and I want to learn everything you're willing to teach me. Will you please unlock to me the secrets of the world? And he said, look, George, I love you. And I, I mean, I really like you. I said, I think the secrets of the whole world is just a little bit much for you. But he said, I tell you what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to unlock the secrets of the peanut. And so George Washington Carver was used to Unlock the secrets of 300 ways to use the peanut. Praise God, peanut butter! Yeah! You know, that's man food, right? And then, of course, the biographies of believers. And I don't know if, if any of you love to read the stories of God's people. They were awesome. So many great stories. Um, as a young Christian, I love the story of Dawson Trotman. And i got to be careful. I might spend the whole time getting into that biography, so I'll try to keep it short. But Dawson Trotman was a young man as a teenager. He was trying to impress this girl. That's what happens. You see her and your heart melts with a pitter-patter. And what he tried to do, there was a contest to memorize Scripture. You know, the one who could memorize uh, the most verses. There were like 20 verses. You know, they'd win the contest. Well, Dawson... He memorized all 20 verses because he really liked that girl. And uh, from there, God began to speak to his heart. As part of those 20 verses was the Romans road. And he gave his heart to Christ. And Dawson Trotman began to memorize scripture. And he memorized a lot of scripture. And then God began to lay it on his heart. 
Dawson, I want to use you to reach the whole world. I'm trying to keep this short. So he would go and he would pray in the morning. He would get up early in the morning and he would pray. He'd take a map and, and he would lay the map out and he would, he would touch different parts of the world. And he said, God, I want these people to know the Lord Jesus. And, and somehow, if you could just use little old me to be a part of that. And he, and he found a buddy to pray with him. And, and sometimes he'd have to go and he'd bang on his buddy's door to get him out of bed early enough to pray. And, and, but, but here's the cool story. He got involved with a group of... Um, People in the Navy, there was a naval base. And he started doing a little Bible study on this naval base. And people got saved in this little group of these soldiers, these uh, people in the Navy. And, and then um, these sailors, guess what happened? World War II came. And they were dispersed all over the world to touch the world. They were called, a group called the Navigators. Is he found, if you ever heard of the Navigators. And uh, anyway, uh, he did the follow-up work for the Billy Graham Crusades for a number of years. But just great. And there's so many great biographies. But biographies didn't just start with modern-day writers. God loves biographies. <laughs> this book is filled with wonderful biographies of people that God used to make a great difference. Henry David Thoreau, uh, an American philosopher, maybe you've heard this remark, he wrote, if a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. In chapter 11, there are a lot of people who march to a different drummer. Um, Hebrews 6.12, these are just a number of verses that... Um, challenge us to look for those who love the Lord and follow. Uh, Hebrews 6.12, imitate those who through faith and patience inherited what has been promised. First uh, Corinthians 10, chapter 11, now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction. And then I love Romans 15.4, it says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, before we jump into chapter 11 of Hebrews, if you look near the end of chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 35, it reads, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So the call is, don't give up. Don't let discouragement defeat you. Don't throw away your confidence. That confidence is sure to end in reward. And then you come to chapter 12. Where chapter 12 begins. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He, as he comes to chapter 12, he says, remember these guys that we spoke about in chapter 11. And may they be an encouragement. May they be a role model. May they be a source of inspiration for you as you live by faith, as you run by faith. As each day you get up and say, God, I want to sign up for your service today. I want to hear your voice 
today. And, and couched between chapter 10 and chapter 12 is a wonderful roll call of the hall of faith, of people that we want to look at over the, the next number of weeks. And they had one thing in common. Although it's a variety of different people, they saw the invisible and they pursued the impossible by faith. They marched to that different drummer, which is the Lord God. Now, let's dive into our text. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I had memorized this in the King James where it says, Now the substance of things, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the NIV it says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. And so we ask ourselves, how do I get that kind of substance? How, how do I gain that type of evidence? How can I be that sure? How can I be that certain? How can I, how can I gain that? You see, at first glance, as we look at Hebrews 11, verse 1, our tendency to say, well, this is just a definition of what faith is. But as we open up and as we look at these couple of verses tonight, I, well, I want to bring the point that there are different angles to look at truth. There is objective truth. In other words, you... As you look at something, you understand that's what it looks like. That's objective truth. Subjective truth is a way of saying, well, that's what it feels like. That's the emotions that it evokes. And then there's the functional angle, which says that is what it acts like. Um, an example of this, let's say I had a bicycle on stage and now, to be able to say the objective truth of a bicycle is to describe what the bicycle looked like. Well, a bicycle, by means two. It's got two wheels, two, two cycles. and These wheels have metal spokes and uh, they have rubber tires. And, you know, they turn when you use the bicycle and it's a metal frame and you sit on a seat and some of those seats aren't real comfortable and you have... You have to get covers to go over them. You know what I mean. And, and they have handlebars that you hold on to. And, um, you know, that kind of thing. And then there's not only the, sub, uh, the objective in describing it, but then there's the subjective way of being able to describe what it feels like to ride a bike. To go up to the top of that creeper trail with Robert and Gail and the other people that are up there and to go down... One time I went up with the guys and discovered that my bike uh, had a problem. And the bike that was available was a girl bike with a basket and a bell. So I went down that mountain ringing my little bell. Ready to put something in the basket. And it was, you know, feel the wind gush by and feel the mud because it was wet. You know, come up on top. <laughs> and, you know, just the joy of being able to ride a bicycle. It's a blessing. But then there's the functionality of a bicycle as well. Trying to describe how to ride a bike, you know. You get on that bike and it wobbles and you gotta, you're got you trying to get your balance and you learn to pedal. And it, I wasn't going to share this. I didn't mean to, but I guess when I learned to ride a bicycle, I got on the bike, had somebody help me, get your balance, and, and watch you start 
And you start pedaling and then, whoa, you know, you don't fall. You're up. This is great. There was just one problem. Nobody told me how to brake. So I'm going down the road and I found a, one of those realtor signs, clothesline. That's how I stopped. That's okay. But the, but the, you know, the point, it was been nice to know the brake. But that's the functionality to know of how a bike works. The description here in Hebrews chapter 11, these first three verses that we want to investigate tonight, is not per se a factual definition of faith they want to outline, but rather a functional description of faith. This is what faith does. And the people that are represented throughout this chapter are a demonstration rather than merely a definition of faith. As we look at their lives, faith is demonstrated. You see, faith comes alive through a person. And, and that's what God wants to represent through His Scripture. And we're going to look tonight at just a couple of truths here, three truths. Number one, faith continually provides a foundation for our hope. It says uh, here that faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. The Greek word here for faith is hypostasis. The first part, hypo, means under. Stasis, the word means to stand up or to stand. And so the word literally means to stand under. In other words, it is the idea of an assurance or a confidence or a substance <laughs> that is a reference to the foundation or the ground upon which our hope stands. It is the foundation. It is the ground of which we can confidently place our hope. And the verse is present tense. So what that means is that our faith continually builds the foundation that supports our hope. That's, that's what happens with faith. It, it, the, the picture here is of a, a ground. And when faith is applied, when faith is lived, our hope grows. And what type of hope grows? Well, just a few examples. As we live by faith, our hearts ache for the return of Jesus. Don't you guys? I have my day. Come, Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> and I mean, but in a real sense, it should be every day. Our Lord will come. Uh, by faith, there is the picture of our glorified bodies. These earth suits are wearing out. Have you noticed that? But we're going to receive new ones. And guess what, man? They're not going to have wear and tear. They're going to be eternal. Not made with human hands, but with God's hands. That's that's what you know. That these are things God brings. How about a reunion? You guys got some loved ones you want to see again. That's sweet. You know, someone has said for the Christian, it's never goodbye, but till we meet again, and we will meet again. Hmm. That's just you know what a blessing. How about? Uh, a future new world where we will dwell with our Creator, with our Savior, with our family in Christ. And we can go on and on. And this is, the, this is what happens. This type of hope is strengthened. 
And it grows as by faith what we are, that substance, what we are certain of as it grows in that foundation as we stand under that truth of something that is continual, that we have a hope, that we have a hope. And that faith continually provides that foundation for the hope. It's not just wishful thinking. It's a hope. It's something that we will one day attain through Christ. Faith is much more than a feeling, but it affects our feelings. Get you? It's much more than a feeling. It's not just emotions, but it does affect our feelings. When we catch a glimpse of Christ and what he has promised us, our hope expands. And we're encouraged. We're encouraged by faith as that foundation grows. It causes us to feel a longing for the redemption of our bodies. I love it as it talks about in Romans 8 that the whole creation groans as it waits. Christ and the work he's going to do encourages not only all, all of creation that includes us and the redemption that will come the contentment and thanksgiving that he brings when we catch the clear truth that sometimes we forget that we are not alone and that we have a God that loves us and a God that is with us and it provides the ability to not just be totally full of ourselves. Because what is natural for us is to be totally full of ourselves. But through Christ and through that foundation's growth and hope, we're able to be humble and to love one another and to be aware of each other's needs and to be a servant in Christ. This comes by faith, and that faith is not a strength that we possess, but it is a confidence. In the one who gives confidence in the one who provides the faith. For example, let's say that my best friend call, calls me and he says, uh, Todd, I have just inherited a lot of money. And I just went up to the bank. And, and I want to meet you up there. Get up here as quick as you can. I want to put a million dollars in your bank account. Now. I'm not going to pretend that I might not break a few traffic laws to get to the bank because I want to make sure that I don't make him wait any longer than I have to. But my confidence is not merely in the statement, there's going to be a million dollars waiting for you when you arrive. The confidence is, is my friend's word true? Can I count on what he says? And if he's my best friend and I've grown to love him, guess what? I'm going to the bank. That friendship develops as we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how fast we drive to those promises depends upon what we think about our master. What we think about our Lord. You see, faith is our estimation of the character of God. The belief that we have in God provides a foundation for our hope. Second truth, faith produces a conviction that invisible things exist. Invisible things exist. He says, certain of what we do 
not see. The evidence of things not seen. It's a Greek word um, that in this form is only used here in this place in the New Testament. It means proof. Aristotle used it to speak of a convincing argument. A convincing argument of faith. And, and the picture here um, is that we're convinced of what we can't see with our eyes. What are some of those things? The gospel. Convinced that Jesus died on a cross so that I might live in glory one day. Amen. These are the kinds of things that we don't see with our eyes, but we know to be true by faith. The very resurrection of Christ. You know, I've loved those messages that we have watched on Wednesday nights. And, and Andy keeps coming back to the fact that, you know, these people didn't have a completed Bible that they read from. And, and uh, they didn't have many of the, the proofs that now we know and we understand. But what they do have is this guy was in a tomb and he was dead, but they saw him alive, resurrected. Man, that, that's, that's the, the faith that grew as they saw the resurrected Christ. Intersection that Christ, intercession Christ does on our behalf. The belief that Christ is praying for me. Wow, what a prayer warrior. <laughs> to stand in the gap for us. As it says in Isaiah 55, 11, that God's word does not return void, but accomplishes what God pleases and prospers in the thing he sends it to do. That confidence that, that comes in faith. Confidence of uh, invisible warfare. That there's a warfare raging around us that we often miss. As there's um, forces of God and forces of the enemy that clash. As uh, the devil, of course, wants to thwart God's plan any way that he can. And, of course, uh, he's not going to conquer God. Faith produces that growing conviction. Invisible things really do exist. Uh, eyesight proves the reality of the physical world. But faith proves the reality of the spiritual world. Now, I have to wear these things called glasses. Because it seems the older I get, the more I need these things called glasses. <laughs> to help my eyes to be able... To see. Now some of that, you know, it comes because I need a correctness in my eyes. Some some of that's occurred just because I'm, you know, I'm getting older. And what can I say, you know? Shape of the eyes are changing. And I eat too much peanut butter. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, the point is, as the years pass by, I need these glasses to be able to see. I understand I'm not much of a fisherman, and all right, you fishermen, I don't need any confidence. But anyway, um, I've heard that you can buy these fisherman sunglasses that take care of a lot of the glare, and they can actually see in the water, you know, see some of those fishies in there. Maybe that would help me. Maybe I need to try that. You know, as long as they can't see me and I can see them, maybe i got a shot at it. And I've heard about other types of glasses, night vision lenses that help the hunters at night that help the soldiers in battle because with these special lenses they are able to see where their normal vision is not able to see. And that's exactly what faith does. It takes the weakness 
of our natural eyes, the weakness of what we perceive and what we see, and it's a corrective lens that enables us to see what we need to see in order to be faithful to our God. It helps us see in the dark as His light appears through the glasses of faith. He provides what is needed. You know, I love the text in 2 Kings chapter 5 of Elisha. Elisha comes to this town and, you know, goes to bed with his servant. Servant gets up. I don't know what their servants do. I guess put a pot of coffee on, you know, maybe, I don't know if they had any chickens or not. I don't know what they did for eggs. But some kind of breakfast and the servant, you know, he's, he's getting things ready. He goes, he looks outside, and the place is surrounded by a thousand warriors. And he's not happy. He goes back inside, and he says, we have a problem, Elisha. What's the problem? Look outside. Look outside! What are you yawning about? He said, those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. You know, I think that servant probably thought, now wait a minute. Elisha, I like you. You're good at the prophecy thing. I mean, you can really speak God's truth and word. But when it comes to math, buddy, you're a dunce. You know, I mean, what can we do? Look, they've got state-of-the-art weaponry. And they've surrounded us. Well, maybe I can throw a rock or two, but I don't think it's going to do too much damage, Elisha. Man, I love it. It says that Elisha prayed. Can you believe this? That's my best friend I was talking about. I have, I'm going to tell you, at night we have, we have church at 6 o'clock. <laughs> you know it's funny usually I don't well anyway enough of that man sin I'm going to cut this off that's really funny I'm going to call him later night I'm going to tell him no I won't do that to him because he'll be embarrassed uh, anyway let me get back to the scripture Lord maybe I just needed that I don't know he, Elisha prays, and he says, God, open this servant's eyes so that he can see. And you, you guys know, you know the account. Suddenly, his eyes were open, and he saw these warriors on flaming chariots. He thought he was surrounded, but God had them all surrounded. Because he was able to see what he couldn't see merely with his eyes. But through faith, his eyes were open so that he could see who was really there. So here's the principle, right? Seeing is not believing. And that's what we hear. When I see it, I'll believe it. But the principle is believing is seeing. Believing. Is Remember when Jesus was betrayed in the garden. 
here they come to arrest Jesus. And Peter, we all love Peter because you know, he, he liked to just act on impulse, right? Peter takes his sword and, you know, he chops off Malchus's ear who, you know, was the guard. And of course, you know, I love it. I can't remember who it was. One preacher I heard, he said, you know, the reason he was going for his head, but the guy ducked and so he just got the ear, you know. But anyway, exactly what happened. He, the ear got chopped off. You know, Jesus picks up the ear and he heals this man. And, and you know, he tells Peter, he says, Peter, this is not the way. He said, uh, if I wanted to, I could call forth this moment 12 legions of angels at my disposal to serve me. And what a thought, guys. What, there's 6,000 soldiers in a legion. So we're talking 72,000 angels could have just showed up. And there's a, I think it's in Isaiah 37. It says that one angel in the night killed an Assyrian army of 185,000 soldiers. So we're talking some serious power. Jesus is saying was at his disposal. But he chose not to do that. Why? Because he could see what Peter couldn't see. And the mission that he had was not just to conquer these people. It was the cross for salvation he brought. All right, one last one of these. And then Barry, you can call me in about 30 minutes. Okay. Faith prioritizes a lifestyle worthy of commendation. Um, look here at verse 2. He says, this is what the ancients were commended. He's talking about these Old Testament believers. This is why um, they deserve to be role models. This is why they deserve to be heroes. This is why they reserve this kind of commendation. Because they live by faith. Because they trusted God. With eyes that were beyond the ones they look out of. But eyes of faith. They deserve the title hero. Uh, they took that first step up the staircase even though they couldn't really see because it was pitch black, it was dark, lights were out, dark times, steep climb. At times each stair was slippery, it was dangerous, but they pressed on clinging to the conviction that God would help them get where they needed to go. That's what they were commended for. And that is... Um, the type of people we're going to look at here in Hebrews chapter 11 over the coming weeks. Real role models. Not a hall of shame, but a hall of faith. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Um, thank you for faith that you provide. Father, continue to build our ground, our foundation, that our hope may grow. Father, it's... Um, not the strength of our faith that determines your truth, but it's your truth that strengthens our hope. That's where the faith works, Lord. I pray tonight, you know where we are, you know each person, you know each circumstance, you know what we need, and you want to lead us. Help us, Father, that we might see the thing, what we cannot see, that what is invisible may come to light. <laughs> that, uh, Father, we may continue to become a people that trust you 
that other people can look at and say, man, oh, how do they do that? It's just you, Lord. That's what we want them to see, Father, that commendation that comes because the evidence is not our faith. It is the fact that we have faith that you're real. Father, continue to lead and guide us according to your spirit. And as we stand and as we sing, may we listen to your voice and may we follow your call, whatever that may be. In Christ's name we pray.